That's what we're looking for. We're looking for uh, Partners in Hope by pledging $19 a month to help kids at St. Jude fight cancer. And uh, when you hear those stories, it's really, really, it's crushing. Yeah. It's really difficult to understand. Yep. And we have Heather here, whose son spent time at St. Jude. Heather, tell us some of your story and how it started in so our St. Jude story started back in 2005. Um, our son had just turned three years old, uh, Corvin. He was precocious and active and just an absolute joy. And uh, one ordinary Thursday morning, he climbed into bed with me and my husband, and he asked his dad to scratch his back. And my husband found a knot. Um, it was kind of hidden by Corbin's shoulder blade. And we thought it was probably nothing, but we took him in and the x-ray revealed a tumor growing in his chest. And it was about the size of a baseball. Wow. It was pressing against his lungs, his ribs, and his spine. Wow. And I remember we were just terrified. Let, we had... me, let me ask you a question about that because I have always said that I think I could get through anything in life unless something happened to one of my kids. Right. And I assumed that would destroy me. Right. So how did it hit you? Um, I think I was just in shock. It was so hard to um, process that our child, who was so seemingly healthy, had this going on and we didn't know. Um, and I remember my husband asked our doctor, um, you know, what we were going to do. And our doctor said, I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to send you straight to St. Jude. And we didn't know anything about St. Jude. And wow. So this is the first you had even heard of yeah, St. Jude. Yeah. I mean, wow. we had seen the commercials, but I have to confess, I would change the channel because they were so sad, you know? Listen, people, and listen to what she's saying right here, I right know, now. Please. I know. Don't do that. Yes. Um, but I remember our doctor looked at us. My husband said, will they accept our insurance? Because I think the second worst fear is, what if there is treatment and we can't afford How it? How could we pay for this? Right. Yeah. And our doctor looked at us and said, you will never receive a bill from them. And so that was our first um, inclination that this was a provision, you know, that, that we were going to be cared for. And so uh, Corbin went through a year of treatment and he went into remission and he was in remission from that cancer. It was a soft tissue cancer called rhabdomyosarcoma. Um, he was in remission for 12 years and wow. really cured from that cancer. Um, it was a story we told. We were the success story. We would um, come out on stage and say, look what research is doing. It really works, you know, and, and it was true. Um, and then his freshman year of high school, he was playing guitar all the time. He would have loved this radio station, by the way. Um, and he was uh, taking AP classes, running cross country. He was having a great freshman year. And um, spring of that year, he started having a pain in his right arm. And we said, well, you play guitar all the time. You know, maybe you should take a break. Um, but we took him in to see the doctor and another x-ray. I couldn't believe it. You know, reliving that nightmare of standing in front of an x-ray that revealed a tumor. This time it was in his arm and it was bone cancer. So this was a completely different cancer than the first time. It oh was. my God. It was a completely different cancer. We could not believe it. We could not understand it. We didn't have any cancer in our family. We were, we were, rel you know, pretty healthy people. Um, and so we couldn't figure out what the connection was, but, um, he started treatment for osteosarcoma and he had beat that first cancer. So we were just hopeful St. Jude could do it again. I don't even think we were as scared as we were the first time because we just thought St. Jude is going to take care of it, you right. know? Um, so 
then they sent us to the genetics clinic, and after he had already begun treatment for the osteosarcoma, testing revealed that he had a rare syndrome. It's called Lee-Fromani syndrome. We didn't even know it existed. I'm sorry, this is a third thing? Well, this is the underlying connection between the gotcha. first two things. This is why they happen. This is why they happen. And basically, it meant that he was missing roughly half the cancer-fighting genes that you and I have. So where we have two um, regulators in every cell, he only had one in every cell. So the line they gave us was, he's genetically predisposed to develop cancer. Wow. And that is it's saying something to say, that's probably the most terrifying thing I've ever heard. Did you feel any guilt? Uh, oh, as a parent, I because, really fought guilt. Right, because you have you think, oh, that's my fault. Clearly, it's not. But you clearly think that. it's not. Yeah. But yes, I still deal with guilt. I still deal with, you know, could I have done this or that differently? I mean, I've been in a lot of therapy for that. <laughs> it's it's just something that as a parent, because your responsibility is take to take care of your child. So when something goes wrong, you feel like, what could I have done differently? You know. Right. Um, but it wasn't anything we had caused or done. And our doctors were so good about telling us, you didn't miss this, you didn't cause this. It's a genetic glitch. And really, even if there's not an underlying predisposition, pediatric cancer is almost always a genetic glitch. It's not like they've been smoking for years or, right. you know, it's not like they, <laughs> in they've the womb. Done, they were smoking exactly, in the womb. Exactly, you know, so um, typically there is some kind of genetic cause but, um, but Corbin's was a very rare syndrome. And um, he went into remission for the osteosarcoma, went back to school. Um, and then in spring of his junior year, uh, this routine surveillance that St. Jude started providing because of his syndrome, which is how we slept at night, uh, caught lymphoma in his lungs, his wow. third cancer. Um, he went into treatment for that, went into remission again. The osteosarcoma came back. They surgically removed that. And then um, January of his senior year he started running fever we thought he had the flu or something and uh, he had leukemia and this time it was a leukemia that was born of chemotherapy kind of caused by his own treatment and so we went into um, the ICU Uh, they airlifted us to St. Jude we were in the ICU they went ahead and brought in hospice and we didn't know if we would make it out of the ICU but I can't believe how many times my kid rallied like he rallied again like he he uh, was walking to the nurse's station he needed um, oxygen support to breathe every day he sat up in the chair and tried to breathe without the oxygen and um, he made it out of ICU and then against all odds because his doctor had designed a treatment just for him he went into remission and nobody thought that would happen I mean that was absolutely yet another miracle provided to us by that place yeah, and you don't bring in hospice unless you're sure exactly yeah, exactly yeah. and i was i remember thinking i'm so afraid of hospice i, I just yeah. did not want to meet them i wanted to put that off as long as possible but they were the most badass team at saint jude and <laughs> they, and i still just absolutely love that team and i remember um corbin telling them you know i'm not afraid to die but i don't want to die in a hospital 
And she looked at him and said, well, we will fight like hell to get you home then. And they got us home. And my kid, knowing he had months left to live because he went in remission, but the leukemia returned, um, he always wanted to be a defense attorney. He had been on the mock trial team in high school and just fell in love with the law and, and saw some kind of analogy between getting cancer and feeling like he was in this prison he didn't deserve and then wanting to help other people who were living that. And so he, um, actually got a job at the DA's office so he could learn more about the law, knowing he had months left to live. He did talks just like this for St. Jude. Uh, COVID was a thing at the time, so they were, a lot of them were virtual. He played music in the garage. He just, he continued to live and better himself and help others. And he then set up his own memorial fund for St. Jude. Um, Didn't want flowers at his funeral, wanted um, so you said COVID. So he passed away recently. He passed away in 2020. Oh yeah, my September God. of 2020. How do you still have a smile on your face? <laughs> it's only because of the way he lived and how one of the last things he was concerned about was his buddies that he called him because in any waiting room we were waiting in kids the little kids would flock to corbin and they would be like would you play with me and he would be like yeah buddy i'll play with you and so they would play at the kitchen or play cars or whatever but he um he always thought about them he was like i don't want them to go through what i went through and then the next thing he thought about was us and he was like i don't want y'all to stop living because i'm gone but you know it was like for years to me his presence because it was so big you know he was wanted to be a rock star wanted to be a defense attorney had this great sense of humor like if you were in the room that's who you were drawn to you know and so his presence for so many years itself told the story of saint jude because he wouldn't have been there without the research and the care and now i feel like his absence because it's so big I feel like his absence tells the story of St. Jude and how we can't stop because 20% of kids are dying. Right. And that's not changeable at this second, but they're exactly. working on it. They're exactly. Can I ask your daughter, your daughter one of question? Of course. Esther, what was it like to um, go to St. Jude and live in the housing there and, you know, break the rules with the dog and all that? <laughs> <laughs> we weren't going to mention that. No, no, no. Um, it was definitely different than living back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we felt um, maybe restricted a little bit, especially with COVID and everything, um, we still found ways to have fun, and St. Jude made that really easy. Um, yeah, and they gave us so many opportunities to do things we still loved while struggling with COVID and having to live in housing and go back and forth to the hospital. Tell I'm me, sh- both of you, just finally, tell me, where you get the hope from when you're going through something like that hope is the only thing that you have Mm -hmm. sometimes yeah i think um because we are beneficiaries of the good work being done there um we know that that they do make these kinds of miracles happen and you know we got asked a lot why aren't you bitter? Why aren't you sad? Why aren't you resentful? Why aren't you down? And there are days where we were. I mean, you know, his friends' parents were decorating their dorm rooms and they were going off to college. And I was at Target buying black sheets so the blood wouldn't show up on the white sheets, you know? Like, there were days where it was hard to smile, but 
I feel like it's hard to be bitter when you're surrounded by love. And we felt so much love at St. Jude. I mean, from the beginning with Danny Thomas, but now with like the people who are sitting in this room, like they do what they do. And Portia just told us this yesterday. I do my job because I love it. They believe in it. And I think when you're surrounded by that much love and you know people are fighting for you and they fought for us till the very end, um, I think it's hard not to have a smile on your face and, and feel hope. It's just contagious. Yeah. Um, and also, like, as a kid, it was really confusing because pretty much from third grade to sixth, I was living on and off at St. Jude. Mm-hmm. But they did such it was really confusing trying to understand maybe what was happening to him, but they always did such a great job at explaining. Like, like every single time he got a new diagnosis or something new happened or he got diagnosed with the syndrome, they did such an amazing job at trying to put that into context for us. Right. Which is so important. You need to understand what's going on with your brother yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to tell you, it's um, wow, that's a uh, uh, crazy uh, crazy story i don't know that i could live my life like you did and i'm really proud of you and you did a ted talk recently i did i did a ted talk on what on the power of hope i wanted to talk to us the day we got the genetic diagnosis and we wondered if um if choosing to hope was bold and reckless you know after um hearing what his life could be like and the odds that were against him and and we weighed all our odds totally aware of our reality and we chose to do it anyway and when he died i remember um he's the one who chose to stop the blood transfusions because he told me he said mom i know that it's brave to fight but it's also brave to stop fighting when it's become futile and his blood transfusions had gotten to be almost a daily thing it just wasn't lasting and so he said um I'm going to make the decision to stop. And I was supposed to be, you know, the positive one. And I said, Corbin, I don't know how I'm going to live without you. And he said, Mom, you won't be living without me. And then he quoted that wise sage of our era, Matthew McConaughey (laughs) from Interstellar. And he said, remember, Mom, love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends time and space. And that was the most badass thing I've ever heard. And he's right because he loved so hard you know and i still feel it i still feel him with us you if know? you would like to uh help support you can be a partner in hope for just 19 dollars a month uh to help kids at saint jude fight cancer and to help people like heather and esther you guys were taken care of by saint jude right. the whole thing that's right and both of you have talked about how they made it as easy as it could be for you that's and right. that's just just miraculous so it it's is. it's really fun to be It's a down, it's a really downer topic. Yes. It's fun to help. Yes, it's it's fun to help. It's really fun to help. And it's really, it gives you a good feeling to know that you're part of your, like, I'm part of your story. That's right. And you can uh, call and actually start to help and become a partner in Hope by calling 800-592-3449. We strongly urge you, please do it now, 800-592-3449, or text the word ROCK. The number is 785-833, ROCK, 785-833. Thank you, Thank you so guys. much Thanks for coming in and sharing. Thank you. I appreciate it. 95.5 KLOS.